DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk a little jazz basketball. Derek Bodner, senior writer for The Athletic in Philadelphia, is going to join us momentarily. It's a bad loss in New Orleans. How did the jazz bounce back? We had Big T throw Bailey on. He brought up the old Jerry Sloan line, you know, bags packed, ready for some downtime, or ready to go grind out one more game before the All-Star break and feel a little differently about yourself and about the team because of the result you grind out. And whatever this game is going to be, PK, I would assume it isn't going to be easy. Uh, the Philly game? No, I, I, it's not going to. Philly's a good team. They have the potential to be a great team. and Maybe I don't know enough about them because I don't watch them that much. I don't co- concentrate as much on the East, but they sort of shove Philly and and the Nets in, at, in your face all the time. So I have watched them a fair amount of time. I think they have the potential to be a, a, an elite team. So I'm excited for this game. It's sort of like a, a mini big game, if that makes any sense. Let's welcome in Derek Bodner, senior writer for the Athletic Philadelphia, covering the Philadelphia 76ers. Derek, good morning. Good morning. Derek, I'm curious uh, how the people in Philly are feeling about the Sixers and how much it parallels what we're seeing here with the Jazz. Best record in the conference, but you got a bigger market that's more glamorous, and they've got a they sign a Hall of Famer who helps recruit all stars, and now you got a super team, and everybody's drooling over them. Uh, the Jazz definitely feel overlooked. Do the Sixers and their fans feel overlooked by what's going on with the Nets and all the hype they're getting, or no? Well, you know that that's interesting. I would say a lot of Sixers fans are probably still a little bit. They're not a hundred percent bought in. I don't think. Um, mm. I think maybe the Sixers fans might be the ones doing the overlooking uh, because this is a team that uh, you know during the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid era has not advanced beyond the second round of the playoffs. Uh, a lot of people, fans, I think, feel like once they get in the playoffs, some of their deficiencies will show. There's a little bit of a prove it to me in the playoff sort of vibe with a lot of fans with this team, uh, which probably comes with just not having had that kind of success here, either in recent or really in a pretty extended period of their history. Uh, so I think there's still a little bit of a wait-and-see approach to this team. I think everybody has sort of recognized the jump that Joel Embiid has taken and how important that is. But I think a lot of people also feel like they might be a year away before they really contend because there's still a little bit of work on the edges of this roster uh, that I think that needs to be happened before um, you know people really buy into them as an NBA Finals contender. Out here in the West, everybody focuses on the Lakers, right? And and probably, too, in, in the country because they're just that big. And when I look at the Sixers, I wonder if they're sort of a, a knockoff version of the Lakers, meaning that they've got two big-time players at the top, and then you hope that the rest of the roster can fill in, and you just go back as recently as the Indiana game, and you got Milton and Corkmaz, guys I had to look up after I looked at the box score, combining for like 45, 46 points, whatever it was, against the Pacers. Do you see sort of some semblance in terms of the two big guys like the Lakers have and then hope that you get contributions from the other guys? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's entirely fair. Uh, you know, I would sort of throw – Tobias Harris in there as a third player who's maybe a little more reliable um, to make it more of a three. Not a true big three, because I don't think Tobias Harris is that good. But certainly I think there's a sense that the like I said, the pieces around them aren't quite up there yet. Uh, and certainly when you start looking at the bench, I actually think uh, Shake Milton is a pretty good young player. Uh, not a you know not a future 20-point-per-game scorer, score, but I think he's a legitimate rotation player. 
And once you get behind him on the bench, there just isn't all that much in terms of reliable talent. Um, and I think that is a, a, a pretty big concern. You know, the obvious difference between the Lakers and the Sixers is the Lakers have proven it. Uh, LeBron James, the most decorated playoff performer of this era, uh, have proven it in the postseason, whereas the Sixers have not. Uh, and I think that's, that's where a lot of skepticism comes in. I think a lot of people look at it like it's tough to build a, a playoff-style offense around a post-up score, even as uniquely talented as Joel Embiid is. And there's just a lack of perimeter shot creation that I think I think some people need to you know, see whether or not it can work in a playoffs. Uh, and there are legitimate concerns. So, yeah, I think that's sort of like the blueprint, um, but a, a lower-rent version of the blueprint. So in the win Monday, uh, Korkmaz is one of the guys who comes in off the bench and goes nuts, and I'm thinking, how come this guy didn't make an impression on me when I was watching the Jazz-Philly game in Utah, and I went back and looked at the box score and saw 0 for 5 in 21 minutes. Um, When you see some of these guys, how much of these – and he's still a young guy. He's 23. How invested are the Sixers in some of these – parts around the edges that you talk about, and it's a case of giving them a year or two to get better, and how much uh, could they be making moves at the deadline and making moves in the offseason and still getting the right guys? Oh, if we know one thing about Daryl Moore, it's that he's going to make moves. <laughs> um, you know, I, look, I, I think it depends on the player you're talking about. I think they're invested in Tyrese Maxey, uh, the point guard out of Kentucky they took with the 21st pick in the draft last year or a couple months ago. I think they're invested in Jake Milton a guy who's under a really team-friendly contract for three more years, uh, that they have brought up. He was a, a two-way player, at least second-round pick, who has shown a lot. I think they're invested in him. Korkmaz, I think, probably a little less so. You know, he had a good year last year. They drafted him. He came into the league as a shooter, struggled from the perimeter of the first two years, and shot the ball really well last year and ended the rotation and has taken a huge step back. When his jumper is not falling, he just provides them with pretty much nothing else on the floor. Uh, so he has been tough to, I think, find him um, so it, it depends on a lot of these people. Like the, their bench is a lot of young players. I think they have a lot of players. You can throw Matisse Thybul into that mix as well as a um, you know really unique defensive prospect who can impact the game in a multitude of ways, but is a almost complete zero offensively. So they have sort of like these flawed young players who they're invested in, but who aren't really quite ready to compete at a uh, playoff level. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to be aggressive in making moves. I think Daryl Morey. You know, has shown that he will trade draft picks, he will trade young players when he has a team that he thinks is close to competing for a title. He did that time and time again in, in Houston. Uh, he feels like he can replace those young players and draft picks with smart moves down the line. I think he's going to look at it and say this is an MVP caliber season from Joel Embiid. We don't think this roster around him is good enough, and I think he's going to be aggressive to try to take advantage of that. When's Tobias Harris going to be back? Yeah, the, Doc Rivers was talking about, uh, and then Harris is out with a, a knee contusion. Uh, Rivers was talking earlier in the, or yesterday after the game, uh, which feels like earlier in the day, cause days overlap now. Uh, but he was talking about he might try to play again uh, Wednesday night in, uh, in in the game against you guys. I don't know if I would do that, especially with a knee. Like you've got one more game, and then you've got a you know, seven-day break for the All-Star game. Give Harris off, let that knee rest. That's what I would do. But it sounds like Doc Rivers is hopeful that he will be back for Wednesday's game. Which we'll see. Derek Bodner joining us. He's senior writer for the Athletic of Philadelphia, covering the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, when you look at Doc Rivers and you know how he's changed his club, his fingerprints on it, where, where do you see the impact? I would say mostly not X's and O's, 
not anything in that sort, just night in, night out consistency. Uh, that was one thing that really plagued this team, the effort level and the focus, especially last year. Uh, previous years was pretty good, but last year was a real struggle in night-to-night consistency. Uh, that is something they have had this year. By and large, you can look through Joel Embiid, or you can look through Ben Simmons. They bring it every night. And maybe the box score isn't perfect every night, but effort level and focus is there. I think that is something that was lacking last year. I think that has been a big reason why they have the best record in the Eastern Conference. And uh, that is what I think has been his, his biggest impact so far. As far as coming out of the East to get to the NBA Finals, do you see anybody besides either the Nets or Sixers? I mean, the Bucks. I think. You know, I think the Bucks still have a lot of talent. I think Giannis, when he's at the top of his game, could still be the best player in the Eastern Conference. Uh, probably is the best player in the Eastern Conference. And I think that team, you know, they've been playing a lot recently without Drew Holiday, who had that extensive time off with the health and safety protocols. Uh, but when they are at full strength, and I don't think they have the depth that they had in previous years, but when they're at full strength, I think they're still a, a very tough team. I think they probably have the best net rating in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, I think they're right up there with the Sixers in the so there is, uh, on this side of the country, there are plenty of Jazz fans who are thinking, hey, hold on to this one seed and let the Lakers and Clippers meet in the second round. No reason to have to draw those guys in back-to-back rounds. That sounds like a humongous task. One of them will be tough enough. Uh, is that how the Sixers are looking at the top spot in the East or no? Yeah, no, I think they certainly are. Uh, and I think there is a, a big benefit to not having to go through two of Milwaukee and Brooklyn to get there. The concern, though, is that in order to do that, you're going to have to play Joel Embiid, especially, I mean, this second half of the season I think they play uh you know something like 36 games in 66 days or something like that it's a very condensed schedule and you've got a big man in MB who first of all has just never played night every game night in and night out and he's, also, he's also got you know he's got an ankle injury he's got a lower back injury he's had his share of knee injuries throughout the course of his career I think there is concern that in order to challenge for that one seed especially with the way Brooklyn's playing I think they've won what nine out of ten now something like that with the way I think Milwaukee is going to play in the second half, you're going to need Joel Embiid to play 34 out of 36, or all, maybe all 36 in order to have a chance, and that might come at the expense of him being at the top of his game for the playoffs. So I think it's a tough balancing act for the Sixers. You know, I think Joel Embiid wants to come in and play night in and night out, in part because I think he wants a number one seed, but in part because I think he wants to prove that he is a every-game kind of player. Uh, but I do think there is some risk to doing that, so we'll be – Really interesting to see how they balance that out because it is a little bit at odds with each other, those two goals. Rudy Gobert's got a lot of run for a defensive player of the year, can won it twice and recognizes one of the better ones, if not the best one. You think Embiid will view this as somewhat of a big game and a slew of games? Oh, he always he always does. Um, he, he just he just played the other night, last night, against Miles Turner, uh, and he, he said it right out in his post-game press conference that, like, that is a defensive player of the year candidate, and I wanted to take it to him. And Joel Embiid has always had success against Miles Turner, and the six, or the Pacers spent all night double-teaming him, and he, he passed well out of that, and he, he really controlled the game. But there is no doubt in my mind he will look at, at this matchup with Gobert uh, as a chance to prove um, you know, his status in the league. He takes those big-man matchups personally. So I was a little surprised he missed the previous game against these two teams. But yeah, I think, uh, I think he will be... Uh, gunning for Gobert and, and really revel in the match for sure. As much as I've asked you about seeding and playoff and all that, uh, when you step back and look at the entire league, if the Lakers are healthy, is everybody chasing the defending champs? Yeah, I think I think they're the best team in the league. 
Um, you know, I, it's certainly the one that when you get to the playoffs and you ask me which one do I have the most confidence in, I mean, they've just they've accomplished so much, and Le- LeBron's accomplished so much. And quite frankly, that two-man tandem between LeBron and Anthony Davis is so perfectly built to play off of each other's strengths that I think they make the most sense. Uh, and, you know, I say that as a person covering the team with the best record in the East, talking to you guys with the best record in the NBA. Uh, when the playoffs come around, it's still, to me, a LeBron league. And, yeah, I, I think if they're playing at their best, it's going to be tough for, tough for anyone. Derek, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for hopping on with us and uh, giving us a look ahead to the Sixers and the Jazz. Yep, my pleasure. Derek Bodner, senior writer for the Athletic Philadelphia, covering the Philadelphia 76ers. So really, PK, it's fun to make fun of Shaq because he frustrated everybody by winning so many titles. And he's on TV, and he didn't do it very smoothly, but what he's saying is what everybody's saying. What? Who measures up to LeBron? I mean, he called out Donovan Mitchell post game. It's it's awkward timing. It was awkward the way he did it. It wasn't a question. It was a statement. It was highly unusual. But I think what Shaq is thinking is like, LeBron's the guy, and the Lakers are the favorite. And how can you or anyone take them? Down? I mean, someone could take them down, and they may not be healthy. And if they're not healthy, then that changes everything. But. We've had multiple people on from around the country, and multiple people are saying the Lakers are the favorite. So whatever doubt there is of the Jazz, there's also a lot of doubting of the Clippers and the Nets and the Sixers and whoever else, the Bucks, whoever else you want to throw in there. Yeah, but Shaq didn't do that. He no, just went after, he went after our him. Donovan Mitchell, yep. our guy. Yep. The one who I love. And that ain't right. I mean, it's two things. It's fun to make fun of Shaq, and it's fun to stay at the YMCA. I mean, those are just two givens in mathematical equations. And when I took algebra and geometry, that's the only answer I could ever get correct was the one that was given. DJ PK, when we come back, everything you missed in this show, Guy Holiday, Thurl Bailey, just had Derek Bodner on to talk Sixers. We'll get you all up to speed with the Jazz losing to the Pelicans last night. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.